This hour is being brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto online at carx.com. Matt Bowen. Two throws. This one aired out for Galloway. And with contact, it's picked off. Intercepted by Matt Bowen. NFL writer and analyst for ESPN. The ball came out. Right now they're calling fumble. Matt Bowen knocked it out. Seven-year NFL veteran. We always joked with you about where you were selected in the draft. Is it weird for you to see Tom Brady out there? We were watching Tom Brady. My youngest boy, Ronnie, said, well, why aren't you still playing? (laughs) I said, well... Uh, Defensive back coach for IC Catholic football. One of the greatest things and most rewarding things about being a high school coach is to see the impact it can have on your student athletes. Matt Bowen with Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Let Matt Bowen talk. Shut up. We are going to do that right now. He joins us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Matt, thanks for joining us. Look, I, I know that when we talk to you, we we get really into the weeds on the X's and O's sure. of football mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. I'm just curious, as someone that played in the Big Ten and knowing how big a deal Big Ten football has become mm-hmm. uh, under the leadership of Kevin Warren, I ha, have you heard this story about Kevin Warren possibly becoming the Bears CEO? Yeah, Ray just alerted to me when I got on the app, and I just quickly before we started talking here, got on and looked at it. It's a very interesting move. Right now, obviously, if you're building a franchise, you want the best leaders, right? The best people in the building. And I think that's probably a goal they're looking at here with Kevin Warren, given what he's accomplished, like you said, Lawrence, in the Big Ten Conference, to come in and take on that prominent role within the building at Hallis Hall. It's a really interesting move, and I'm kind of excited about it. I'll be honest, kind of excited about it because it's different, it's unique, and you're taking someone with a very high-level background and putting them in a football environment to help your team grow. Knowing what you know about Football culture, and we hear about the Bears' culture at Hallis Hall. To have them talk to somebody who I think his vision really stands out, what do you think that says about the change that they may want to make just from top to bottom with the organization? Well, I think they want to win, right? That's the first thing is you want to win. So get the best people around you so you can develop that winning culture within the building. That's where it starts. And every good team I played on in the National Football League, and I'm talking a team that was in the playoffs that was competitive, it started in the building. You have to have that. You can talk about it in college football, too. Look at the most successful programs. Look at what the teams that are playing the college football playoffs this weekend. Go inside one of those facilities and see how they operate. Everything is done at a high level. Everything. And it's not just the football on the field. It's, it's the people in the background, the people breaking down tape, the leadership committee they have in there developed with the players and the coaching staff. Everything is done at such a high level. So if you want to build a winning program, just like building a winning business, it starts with leadership, right? Look at a great school. Look at a great school. Just pick an institution, whether high school level or college level. It's a great academic environment. That doesn't happen by accident. It just does not happen by accident. And you see these winning teams in the NFL. Look at a team like Kansas City and what they have in that facility is unbelievable from the GM, the ownership, the people running the building, the players in the field, the scouts, the position coaches, all high level. Well, and I think we probably don't talk about that part of it enough because we're so focused on the on-field product that I wonder if that's something where, as somebody who's played, you think that people should give a little more attention to that piece of it because of how influential it is. Sure, you have to do that. (laughs) And it's a great point because we just see, as fans or someone watching football, you see three hours on Sunday, right? 
That's all you see. And those three hours, those, those games are extremely hard to win. I think Bears fans understand that right now, how hard these games are to win. Um, but once you start to develop a football team and develop your roster, everything outside of it makes such an impact in terms of your weekly, weekly prep, your off-season prep, how you handle multiple personalities within a roster and within a building. It all matters. It all matters. I think Philadelphia is a great example, too, and Howie Roseman and how they built that football team. And they went out and hired Nick Sirianni. And people questioned, the, you know, the move to hire Nick Sirianni. Look at that team now. And look at what they've done in the offseason. Look at how they built that roster around Jalen Hurts. And look at the development of Jalen Hurts. That's not just football. It can't just be football. That's never enough. It's just, it's never enough. It's got to be everyone within that building. That, that's another prime example of a team that's doing it right. It's so interesting for us to be if you look at what's happened with the hiring of Ryan Poles and Ian mm-hmm. Cunningham last year and the possible hiring of Kevin Warren this year, it seems so antithetical to how the Bears ordinarily operate. It gives me a lot of hope that they're going to get some stuff right. Sure it does. <clears throat> and it it shows you that they're willing, and I don't want to use the term take a risk, but they're willing to go outside the box a little bit, right, Lawrence? Yes. To think outside the box a little bit and say, what, who are the best leaders? Who are the best people we can put in our building? And that's the first thing. You know, it, your background is always brought up, whether what sports you've been in, et cetera, et cetera, when you talk about the National Football League, what levels you've coached at. We hear it all the time. But when you think outside the box and you hire the right people, uh, that makes a big difference. Look at Colorado. And, and hiring Deion Sanders, right? That, that's a, I, I can't wait to see how that works because Deion and what he's done in developing players at Jackson State and what he did as a player, okay, he doesn't have the, a lot of experience like other coaches have, but you hire the right person, the right leader who can generate energy within that building daily. That helps you win. That helps you create a winning environment within that building. I appreciate you speaking to this because – I feel like so many times we hear about the good ones and you see people succeed despite some of the bad ones, but just the positive and significant overall difference that somebody like that can make to, to every single part of what goes into a team. Sure. Uh, and that positive, that positive attitude, creating a positive environment, creating a competitive environment. And you both know I coach at the high school level. I know it's low level high school football, 3A football. I understand that. But I can tell you just from my experience in coaching and being around people within our program, our coaching staff, the the players, the families, how important the families are to our program. And and having that positive environment, having the right people around you, how it translates to winning. It does. It translates to so much positive energy when you have the right people around you. And and that's a necessity in everything you do in life any business, any, any academic environment, any sports environment, you have to have the right people around you, people you can trust, and people that also push you, right? That's it. To where you don't become comfortable. I had this discussion with my roommate from college last night, and we were talking and catching up, and, I, and he put it best. He said, you know, the minute you become comfortable, that's when people pass you by. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what environment you're in. And my roommate's now a federal agent in Washington, D.C., and he said the same thing. And what his growth is as a federal agent, what he wants to do with his career. So it's, 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 it's not just football we're talking about here, right? It's everything you do and how you push yourself and how the people within your organization push you. Because if you don't want to be pushed and you don't want to be coached and you don't want to be held accountable, you're not going to grow in anything in life. You're just not.
Let's go. That's the thing about Matt Bowen, where you can hear you can hear why he's a great coach because there's the the information plus the passion. You put those two things together, and you got something pretty cool. Matt, I'm I'm watching video over the last couple of weeks of Kyler Gordon, mm-hmm. and I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing as someone that played defensive back in the league for seven years. What are the things that Kyler Gordon is doing right lately and what can he still improve on? Well, he's seen it fast. Okay. And that's a term I use a lot. Uh, and it can be kind of generic, but it applies to everything in football, what you do with your eyes. Right. I think a great example is the interception he made last week. And I love that play. And the first thing is, is people say, Josh Allen made a poor read. So what? <laughs> on defense, you still got to make the play. You still got to put your position, yourself in position to make the play. And so what happened on that is when you're a zone defender, Lawrence, right? And there's no one threatening you in your zone. I use the term, and I, I learned this as a player, and now I use it as a coach. You have to find work. Okay, you don't just want to cover grass. If you're covering the 20-yard line, that's not a good thing in football. So find work. So you get a shallow crosser from the tight end. He goes away. There's no one in the zone. First thing he does is open his hips, gain depth, get his eyes to the front side of the formation. Now he can recognize, hey, there's a deep crosser coming. So what does he do? Gains even more depth. Now eyes back to Josh Allen. I call that backfield vision. Puts himself in a position to make an interception down inside the red zone. Against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That was an outstanding football play. He has an extreme physical element to his game. He can play inside or outside in terms of playing in the slot or playing out in the boundary. He will tackle. And Lawrence, you know me. That's a big thing for me. If you play in the secondary, you play in my secondary, and you don't tackle, you come stand next to me on the sideline. Okay, you got to have physical players in the secondary. And he's got the ball skills. He's got the short area closing speed. Now, what he can work on is he's going to get beat at times. That's his technique. That's all that is. And that's the great thing about Kyler Gordon, because you look at his tape, and you are seeing growth and development throughout the course of this season. And when he does make mistakes, it's not a skill limitation. That's the best thing about him. It's not a skill limitation. It's something you can coach, something you can correct with more reps, with more experience. And that will come as he grows older in the National Football League. But what he's doing right now, I think he's playing really good football, and that's exactly what you want with a young player. And that's why these games still matter, Lawrence. I I agree. I know all the Bears fans are talking about the draft pick. I get it. I want the Bears to draft number two. I want them to draft number one if they can. I want him to get a great football player. But these games still matter because for a player like Kyler Gordon, you're seeing even more growth and development. Okay, let's go to the other rookie in the secondary. Based on what you've seen and just his his innate feel for the game and how he studies and how he's a student of the game and how you're seeing that play out, what's the ceiling you think or even just the expectation for next year for Jaquan Brisker? Um, I, would, I would describe him as a disruptor. And that's a great term to have as a defensive back. That means you are around the action. You are around the football. And players that are around the football, again, that doesn't happen by accident. Now, there's things he can correct. There's, there's no doubt about that. But let's look at the positives first. He's a top-down player. What that means is the ball is in front of him. He can drive with speed, and he's physical at the point of attack. That allows him to make plays in the football. He can play in the run front. You know, be a seventh or eighth defender in the box. He will tackle in the run game. He's a very good blitzer. And I learned this as a rookie. You know, you can't just run in there and expect to hit the quarterback. I've tried that before. (laughs) It does not work. We were playing a game at at Atlanta, Lawrence, at the Georgia Dome, and I blitzed, and the left tackle got a hold of me. And the first thing I saw was the top of the dome, right? Because he was picking me up and throwing me on the ground. All right? I just thought, hey, you run in there, you get a a sack, right? No, there is a nuance to it. It requires a savviness. It requires technique. 
Jaquan Brisker already has that at a pretty high level. Now, you saw in the game the other day on Devin Singletary's touchdown run, he got beat in the open field. But you know what? I love that play because I could bring Jaquan Brisker in the meeting room and say, okay, why did this happen? And I'll tell you why it happened. You stopped feet. Okay, when you're in the open field, again, open field tackling is extremely hard, especially on Sunday. So when you're in the open field, you want to eliminate the distance to the ball carry. And a lot of times young players stop their feet and they wait to see which way they're going to go. Well, instead of stopping your feet, I use the term creep your feet. So now you're moving towards the ball carry and eliminating that distance. So now you can dictate the situation. You're telling him where he can go and where he cannot go, and then you make the tackle. And that's something you can learn just from that rep. And I know he got beat, but again, it's a coachable moment that's going to make him better. But you have two draft picks. I understand. Remember last year in April when a lot of fans questioned why are we taking two defensive backs because they're easy fits for this defense. They can be disruptive, make plays in the football, and they can develop into the difference makers this roster does not have right now. Matt, how have the Lions been able to get the absolute best out of Jared Goff? A couple a couple ways. One, their offensive line, is, I think, is very good. I think they are physical. I think they are nasty up front. And what Jared Goff needs, and Lawrence, we have talked about this, he is a clean platform thrower. When you force him to reset, and I use the term reset his throwing window, things start to break down a little bit, right? He gets a little erratic with the football. His ball placement is off. But when he can, when he can get to the top of his drop and read it, he can light you up. Remember, he was number one pick in the NFL for a reason. He has the talent to drive the ball to all three levels, but they're giving him protection. They've added the personnel around him, versatile personnel. Look at Swift, DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. They added Jamison Williams, who's not there yet. But as you know, Lawrence, someone who watched a lot of Bama football, when he's ready to go, he is going to be a difference maker. St. Brown as a middle-of-the-field target. DJ Chark outside as a vertical boundary target. They have players around him, and the system fits him. It's very play-action heavy. It's very defined throws where you can see it clearly and get the ball out. But I keep going back to protection, something that Bears fans want for Justin Fields. When you have protection and can throw it from the pocket, NFL quarterbacks will light you up. What do you think about the adjustments, not just when they've been at relative full strength since Eddie Jackson's gone down, when you get Brisker and Gordon back out of concussion? But just overall, what do you think of the recent adjustments? I feel like maybe in the last month or six weeks that the Bears have made in the secondary to really try to, I think, improve and scheme their guys into better positions and coverage. Well, I think the first thing is they're playing more man coverage, right? Mm -hmm. They're challenging more. And this goes back to, again, when Matt Eberflus was hired and we talked about the defensive structure in Chicago, uh, you know, that the core fundamental coverage is covered too. And everyone gets upset when you say cover two because they think it's a soft coverage where you're allowing throws underneath and, you know, bend but don't break defense. And there are times when it is that, and there are times in game situations when you need that. But the flip side of it is when do you decide to challenge? When do you decide to challenge and bring pressure? We're seeing much more of that uh, these last couple of weeks, uh, even a couple of weeks before that, because the Bears are getting more aggressive in terms of what they're doing from a coverage perspective. And look, they're not doing it with Jalen Ramsey right now. They don't have Jalen Ramsey in this football team. They don't have Darius Slay. They don't have James Bradbury from the Philadelphia Eagles. They have a lot of young players in the secondary who are working to make this football team for next year or to build their resume if they do get let go to get picked up by another team. And I think they're competing at a really high level. Are they perfect all the time? Of course they're not because they're young and, and a lot of inexperience back there. But they are being more aggressive and they are going after people, which I like to see. Matt, as always, man, we love it when you break down stuff for us. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend and Happy New Year. 
All right. Happy New Year. Be good. Thank you again. That is Matt Matt. Bowen. Someone texted in that if you put Matt Bowen and Tom Thayer in a room together, they could talk me into tackling a bus. That person is correct. I wrote down three of Matt's sayings today. Seeing it fast. Mm -hmm. Find work. Don't just cover grass and creep your feet. I'm I'm so happy that he's back. Like he simplifies things in a way that makes it easy for everyone. The thing is, mark of a good teacher. It's been a while since Matt and I have been in the same room together, but he's also one of those guys that when he when you're in the room with him, he will teach you technique. Like he he's physical, you know. Like hey, move here. You know, he's one of those, and it's it's great. Like he's. He's really amazing at what he does. Well, and that's why I was asking Jordan Palmer, like, when did you decide that this was your path? You know, like, everybody trades ideas. That's established. But there are some guys who decide this is what they want to do. This is the path they want to take. Layla, you know what's crazy? We were talking about this before the show, because we've got Friday's show pretty much prepared. There's a lot. And we need your help, actually. We do. But think about all the stuff that's happened in the first two and a half hours of the show today. It's a lot. The the Kevin Warren news, the stuff that Jordan Palmer was saying that I don't even know if we're going to have time tomorrow to get to it. And then the stuff that Matt Bowen's throwing at us. Like this is if you are a football junkie, this has been the show for you. And the train don't stop. You know why? Because fantasy Super Bowls are coming up. And Paul Charchian is here. He is going to break it down for us. I'm going to ask him a Kevin Warren. Question two. Charge knows the Vikings. He know he knows the Vikings, so you know maybe there's there's yes, Ray. Uh, he know he also we we've been corresponding prior to the the segment here, uh, and he knows Kevin Warren well, so he'll be able to speak to this. What with the, great knowledge? Nice producing on the fly, Ray. Let's, let's get charged to nine hundred thousand followers, like I accidentally said he had the other day. He's let's go. Totally got that, but that's why our production staff is top notch. We'll talk with Charge next on the score. Paul Charchian, Fantasy Football Hall of Famer. That guy must really know what he's doing. Chief Execution Officer at GuillotineLeagues.com. He's appointing himself Judge, Jury, and Executioner. He's not Judge, Judy, and Executioner. He is. Your guide to winning your fantasy football league. Hurry, hurry, step right up and keep following the leader. Charge. Charge. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. We love talking to Paul Charchian, and we know that you need help this weekend because it is fantasy Super Bowl time. Charch joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. Charch, before we get into the major ramifications of a fantasy weekend, this story is crossed, and you know, we've been trying to advance it as much as we can about Kevin Warren possibly becoming the CEO of, of the Bears, and it would make a lot of sense. So I know that you're tight with everyone up in Minnesota. What do you know about Kevin Warren? I, I, I know a lot, and I love Kevin and just stop the search. This is it. That you can't do you can't possibly do better than Kevin Warren. Let me I'd like to tell you a couple of stories about Kevin Warren if I could. Please. Kevin and I crossed paths uh, through KFAN, you know, the radio station I work at here in Minnesota. And when, when he was COO, we we had him on regularly and he was uh, he was he was great with us to work with. And one of the times that he was in in studio, he and I just were started, you know, catching up a little bit about our lives. And he said, Charge, let's let's 
let's go break bread. It's one of his, he loves to use the term break bread. Let's break bread and let's go have lunch. And we had a long lunch, two hour lunch together. Heard his amazing story, including him surviving a horrific car accident as a child that threatened to have him like immobile for the rest of his life. And, you know, was able to rehab through that and ultimately, you know, ultimately do all kinds of things. And a, a crazy, amazing story that ultimately led him to getting his, his degree, uh, his, his law degree at Notre Dame. And, I tell a little bit about my story and my daughter and where she is. My daughter at the time is 11. And Kevin is hearing about my daughter and says she would be such a good fit at Notre Dame. And I'm I'm thinking, wow. You know, my daughter was going to Catholic school. And uh, next thing I know, two weeks later, my daughter and I, through him, we're lighting candles in the grotto. We're walking through the basilica. We're high-fiving touchdown Jesus. We're on campus. We have lunch with the dean of Notre Dame. Kevin pulled all of these strings to get us there, you know, and we weren't friends. I mean, we, you know, we were acquaintances and doesn't know my daughter from anybody. And he set all of that up just because of who he is. Kevin Warren, while with the Vikings, was known as being sort of the um, he was he was the person you went through to for anything that could be dis- divisive, sketchy, troublesome. If you needed to have somebody who just was a hundred percent rock solid in the right thing to do in the in that moment. He was always the guy they went to. Kevin Warren would be so great for the Bears, and it, you know, you, you again, you you can't make a better hire, and you can't find a better person than Kevin Warren. Well, crud! Now I just want them to hire him already. But he's also gro- he's also good for college football. You know, he's done a lot there, to say the least. <laughs> yes, he has. Yes, he well, You know, it's he's he's running the Big Ten, so obviously he gives you that perspective as well. Um, but yeah, this is I I'm, I'm honestly I'm surprised that he's I'm a little bit surprised he's not staying with the Big Ten. It's right. such an amazing job. Um, but I, you know, not knowing what's in his heart, but he's, you know, this guy who cut his teeth with, in the Rams and the Lions and the Vikings, and maybe the NFL is just in his blood. If you can get him, you absolutely should. The more I've been sitting- Best fantasy pickup ever. Right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) The more I've been thinking about, like, what you do here, like, thinking about, well, if I'm Kevin Warren, do I want to be commissioner of the Big Ten or do I want to be the CEO of the Bears? And the way that I'm thinking about it is- one of those more likely leads to ownership in the NFL than the other. And if you can get into one of those ownership groups, and who knows what happens with the Bears um, mm-hmm. when, when Virginia no longer owns the Bears, I think that it makes a lot more sense when you look at look through it through that lens at, at this decision. But that, I know, love hearing your testimony about this dude. Yeah, um, I you know I, the ownership thing would be a little bit odd in that you know he's Kevin Warren has done very well for himself you know but he didn't go you know he's not a uh, you know he's not a captain of industry that's made a billion dollars you know he would have to find his way yeah ownership, ownership group through, now I'm not saying yeah, he's going to write some, a check right. for the Bears right. I'm saying he's going to find the people that are going to write a check yeah. for the most Bears. of them were born into that money too whatever <laughs> get in where you fit in just uh, just like the Charchians man just like, very similar find, very find, very similar find your yes. spot in this world speaking of that kind of a good segue. So do you dance with the ones who brung you for championship week or are you going with the hot hand? What's happening? Yeah, Layla, this is something I get a lot. It's championship week and, and 
I've counted dozens of tweets from other experts that say, don't get cute with your playoff lineups now. How will you live yourself all offseason if you don't start the guys who got you here? Layla Lawrence, that is crap. You will never find a group, a bigger group of skittish, self-doubting, knee-knocking cowards than fantasy players. The NFL is never static. It is a perpetually changing machine with teams and players constantly reinventing themselves, sometimes for the better, sometimes not. Players are always changing. Defenses are changing. The guys who helped get you here back in Labor Day and Halloween and Thanksgiving, their track record doesn't mean a damn thing this weekend. Their track record isn't going to break a tackle. It's not going to die for a pylon. And yes, there are a handful of guys that are that basically always succeed. Justin Jefferson. But... 80, 95% of everybody else on your roster, you have to evaluate every single game, including this one, even today in your championship. Do you feel like that people have got this right with where the championship Sunday is in fantasy? This is a great question and something that's really come up a lot in part because of the game tonight. You know, Tennessee has nothing to play for. They're now down. They're going to start their third string quarterback because they want to make sure Malik Willis is going to be healthy next uh, next week. And we've got all these other, the other reason is that maybe you want to move it is the increasing number of injuries. A third of the quarterbacks are out for this at this stage of the season. And, you know, counterintuitively, the, the NFL put all these division games at the end of the season to try to make sure we had meaningful games at the end of the year. But now we've ended up with meaningless games because of exactly the situation that Tennessee and Jacksonville are in. We're going to have a nationally televised game tonight with one team that's not trying to win. And that's not, you know, Derrick Henry, you you can't start Derrick Henry tonight, so we're not crowning the right team. So maybe we should be starting a week earlier for our championship games. Okay, that said, I think I know the answer to this question, but who on Dallas do you think is a safe start at running? Yeah, that's a good question. So Tony Pollard's hurt and almost no chance he plays in this game. Zeke probably gets a lot of work until they get comfortably ahead. And that might be enough work to make him absolutely startable in this game. Um, And Tennessee, I should mention, I mentioned the quarterbacks out. They're looking at nine defensive replacements, three on their defensive line out, three linebackers are out, their best cornerbacks out and their best safeties out. So a lot of opportunity here. The sneaky play at running back is their third stringer, Malik Davis, who I think will walk into the Tony Pollard role as a one-two punch with Zeke at the beginning of the game, throughout the game, and he's the guy who's going to finish the game. This is your sneaky play as Malik Davis. If you're still able to make a move, or for, I don't, for those of you that wager, uh, Malik Davis is going to be the sneaky Dallas runner here. Interesting. Okay. When it comes to the quarterback situation in Miami, obviously things have been super scary for, for Tua, yeah. The whole reason that you bring in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is to win games like this as your backup, to go 500 uh, as a backup. What are you saying to folks that have the great wide receivers for the Dolphins, but Teddy throwing them the ball? This is the worry. It's Teddy. So 77 NFL games for Teddy Bridgewater, 74 touchdowns. I mean, think about how hard it is to be a one touchdown per game passer in today's NFL. It's and and have a ten year career doing it. You know, he's also a notoriously short passer. He's using the six to seven yard range on his on his passes. And you know, the good news is 
that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, who are the guys we really care about in this conversation, have been viable for a month with Tua playing, I don't know, maybe concussed, but playing as badly as any quarterback in the league. And Hill and Waddle were still good in those scenarios. And they're so special after the catch. They're such remarkable athletes. They can turn those Teddy short passes into long gains. So while I don't love this, still with a matchup on a, with a fading Patriots secondary, I still have them both in my top 12. And I think we're starting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle this week. Not to go back to that Thursday night game, but since it's here, yeah. what about the Dallas passing game? Anything there for people to take note of? Well, yeah, I think you know, even at full health, this was a horrible Tennessee secondary, ranking bottom two in passing completions, passing yards, and touchdowns allowed. So this was they were already awful, and the Cowboys are still playing to win. So Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, all very positive. Schultz especially. Tennessee ranks dead last in tight end yards allowed over the last five weeks. So there's a lot of really strong plays here. It's just how long are these guys going to be in the game is a question, but in theory— if they do end up pulling Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz, by then you should already have enough fantasy points for to give you a, a pretty good chance of winning. Charge, as always, man, we're so glad that we were able to connect and, and have yeah. you be a part of this fantasy season. And your your input on everything that is Minnesota Vikings has been invaluable throughout the season. So thank you so much for, for being on the show and, and con- continued success. And I look forward to the next time we get an opportunity to chat. Absolutely. Lawrence, it's been a pleasure working with you guys all year. Layla, on and off throughout the season, has been great. Dan, obviously fantastic. Lots of years of history here with you guys, the, the channel. It means so much to talk to you every week. And, you know, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll talk again to preview the Super Bowl with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, Maybe. Charge, it was going so well. And, so <laughs> and then I had to end it on that. I had to end it that way. And I get why you said it. Yeah. But I mean, you just I mean, had Just to give us it. this one. I haven't had a Super Bowl in my lifetime. Can't we just have this one? Charger, are you at least going to get outside? Did the snow melt in, in Minneapolis or what? 32 degrees today, baby. It's a, We're thawing the igloo right now. I, should I tell him that it's 57 degrees here? Oh, shut up. Is it really? Yeah. It's 57? Yeah. Oh, you're killing me right All now. All the snow's gone from Chicago, Charge. We're going to be out in shorts oh, later. It's now just God, like a that- dirty slush. I'll take dirty slush in a second. Oh, I'm very... All right, I I ended it poorly with my Vikings of the Super Bowl. You ended it this way. I think this is... It's time to sign up. Fair is fair. Thank thank you, my friends. Thanks, Charge. Charge. Thank you. That is Paul Charchian who joins us. We we really do appreciate him being so good on the fantasy front and and making you think differently. Here's what I love about it, because Dan and I were talking about this when we teamed up. And we're like, you know... We want to do a fantasy segment. Sure. But we didn't want it to be people calling up, hey, Charge, should I play this guy or this guy? And because Charge like, Char- is more valuable than that. He can give you some of the big picture items. And I think it's made for a really interesting conversation. So I'm glad that he was with the idea of, how about we just talk to you and we don't make you a jukebox? Yeah, it, the brilliance of Charge is he's good at both. But like I, I agree with you. If it, for example, the the concept of going with who is good right now, play your matchups. Yep, that's big. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna reset on this story about Kevin Warren and the possibility of him becoming the Bear CEO. Just interviewing. Let's listen. The reports, according to Pete Thamel, all the other 
newsmakers. Multiple interviews. Interviews, yes. Definitely in the running. Let's not, no let's job not get has our been cart offered. ahead of our horse here. But that was quite the testimony from Charge. Yeah, everybody's getting me excited. And then they hire me to be Bear CEO, and you're going to be like, oh, boo. Nah, because we could mess with you some before you got all corporate-like. Yeah, it's true. I could find you a job. What do you want to do? Do I need another job? Well, I mean, this would be the job. Like, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be other job. I'd hire you to do the job. Am I allowed at Hellas? I'd be like, I mean, hi, if, what is your thought on the crack toss and why is it the worst? If, if I'm Bear CEO, I feel, like, I feel like Layla should be my personal bad guy. Like, I get to be the nice front man of the Bears as an organization, but Layla comes in with receipts and she gets to, you know, hey, you're not doing your job. That's and, all, the, and and this guy knows it. So that, hey, that's all well and good, except for the fact that the you're representing an organization that has quite a few receipts on them. Yeah, I know, but this is going to be a new day. You're going to be able to go in there and clean house if you want. I understand your NWO concept here, but I really feel like Kevin Warren would be that person. Yeah, he well he he's he's a little qualified more so than us, just a tad. I jumped on tad. On to, to the Twitter.com for at, at Kevin's looking at his at. You know what he has behind him? Build on history, protect the present, transform the future. Isn't that the Bears in a nutshell? Isn't that isn't that what they want to be? I'm like, now? Like what you're now? That sounds great. This is what they've always wanted to be. I was seven seven three. Like Warren could be an NFL commissioner, but but again, that all like the the jobs that he's done and him being the CEO of the Bears, I think has him in a position to be closer to that opportunity. Well, that's why Charge was pretty valuable. They were talking about the NFL background and how much that clearly means or could mean to him to keep that as part of his his professional work. Although being the Big Ten commissioner and considering I the, the thing about him being maybe he can't do any more. Maybe it's a James Brown thing. I can't do no more. Like my work here is done. Yeah, I did everything that I was supposed to do. So rub your hands together. Now I'm gonna go do off. something else. Yes, Texter, 708 Texter. Layla would be my would be my Luther. She'd be the key and peel Obama mad translator. That's what it would be. I get to walk around and smile, and then after we leave, Layla gets to tell them what I'm really thinking. I'm just still laughing at all the mentions I'm getting from people like calling me dumb or like thinking they're insulting me on Twitter about Grayson Allen. Those <laughs> like, people are dumb. I'm just like, what are you, Grayson Allen? Like, why? I don't understand it. We'll like, talk more. Again, he would push you into the street if it meant he could cross. They ain't saving y'all. It's true. Giannis might, though. Why aren't you? Oh, Giannis would totally save yeah, you. Yeah, Giannis would save you. Be passionate about him. And he's got those go-go gadget arms, too. So, like, he could, he could get you from the sidewalk in the middle of the street. You're like, oh, thanks, Giannis. I'm pretty sure Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday would do the same. I You're caping like, for the wrong person. I now want to create a Giannis comic book. Where he just saves stuff? Yeah. Like the Bears? And then he hires Kevin Warren to be the CEO of the Bears? Got a cat in a tree? Giannis? Oh, okay. Here you go. I think he Thank just you. wrote a Sports Center promo. You could just do that. 
My favorite of the Sports Center promos is still Albert Pujols being like, "What are you talking about? I'm not a machine." I still like the Jay Harris, the Devils on the elevator, and he's like going up, and the Devil goes, and he's like, "Nope." That's exactly how I would have reacted. Or the office thermostat with the Devil and the Penguin. It's pretty good. That's also a fave. We will come back and talk more about this developing story. Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, might be in the mix to be the new CEO of the Bears when Ted Phillips steps down. We'll discuss and catch you up if you're like, wait, what? Yeah. We'll discuss it next here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score score, 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 and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. One more for the good guys. Bears. What a day. I haven't even started. We haven't even talked about the White Sox yet. That's happening. It do you is? want to tell? Do you want to tell people what to do? Yeah. So at one o'clock, we did this with the Cubs on yesterday's show. And even if there's breaking news, we weren't going to de- deprive White Sox fans from their opportunity to talk about their team. To vent. Not necessarily. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you feel great. Oh yeah, because we don't vent. I'm just saying that. Maybe people feel great about the decisions that have been made thus far in the offseason. I like one of them. Sure, I like one of them as well. Right. So at 1 o'clock... I mean, you see where I vote. Me too. I brought the Oracle. I would like Elvis Andrews back in a White Sox uniform. We got him. We just got him in Rangers bobblehead form. And play second base. On the score. Well... Not that part. The Although, Rangers bobblehead part. Yeah. It'd be nice. It's like we got other stations. You guys just come over here. Be on CKG or, you know, I, on BBM. I still can't. Welcome to White Sox Baseball on WBBM News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. I'm Connor McKnight. Connor doesn't sound like that. No, but it's funny. I am still trying to wrap my head around the Bears taking a big swing at somebody who can make a massive difference in the organization. It's a really interesting thing. This texter says, Lawrence, um, I've, I've learned from listening to you for a long time. Why is the KW info out there? Excellent question. It's a good question. And usually the way that I frame that is how do who is, who benefits from the news being out there? Also, is this a trial balloon? If it's a trial balloon, it's we a love it. It's a really successful one because I don't think that there's anyone that's going to look at this job in comparison to what the perceived job that's been done by Ted Phillips and not think that this would be an upgrade. Did we get the quarterback right? No. No. Did we get what was did it? We, did we win enough games? Did we win enough games? No. Did we get the quarterback right? No. Everything else is there. He's not going to say that. He's not. But in defense of Ted Phillips, as much as him as a public face of the Bears when it came to football stuff, I think was um, ill-advised. 
I do understand his value to that family. And if you're looking at it from their perspective, the two things that they needed to get done from a business, the two major things they needed to get done from a business standpoint, they got done. They got Soldier Field retrofitted, and that was under Ted, and they got the parcel of land in Arlington Heights. Those two things, even though it's spread out over 20 years, along with all of the, the financial tap dancing that Ted has had to do for the McCaskey family to, to put them in a position to be able to survive the death of, of Virginia McCaskey, he has more than earned his money as CEO of the Bears. I was concerned that when the news came out, the adjacent name would be the favorite, being Scott Hagel. So this is, it's just a really refreshing thought as to the difference in the, in the desire to have a different vision and what that can mean as far as direction. We perhaps, It would be really weird for me to see Scott Hagel as Bear CEO. You would know better than I would. But like in my reading, that's just the adjacent name that pops up a lot. It's it's we it would be weird for me because I've known Scott for wow twenty five years, and he started in our industry. He started as an in, I think once he was Sylvie's intern. That's crazy. And he's done the like he's he is a he's done all the stuff. Like inside, like starting from the the bottom of that media position. Now he's here, and now now he's the one of the right hand people for the McCaskies. So I'm not saying I would be surprised that they made him CEO. It would just be it'd be weird for me to be to to having known Scott a little bit and dealing with Scott to, for him to then be the CEO of the Bears is would be really strange. Here's the thing. Here's what I want us to do as far as how we approach it. Okay. When I talk about raising your standards and you hear me say good to great all the time, whether that's expecting more out of your respective team who doesn't just want to get to the playoffs, you want them to win more than just getting to the playoffs or what have you. This is that. This the- is a this is a Aim high, good to great type of, of big swing. And I applaud the Bears for putting this out there in a way that is constructive, having us talk about it, and now it's our job to have that standard. It's crazy, too, because look, I don't know who the other candidates are, but as far as resumes go, Kevin Warren's resume reeks of leader in the clubhouse and it's, vision like forward right. vision this isn't insular like we understand our problems this is big swing big boy don't forget what city you're in let's rock well even more than that because he was able to negotiate the the rights fees for the big tent considering where the nfl is going with their relationship with streaming networks that's a guy that you want in the room representing not just the bears but the nfl like if if you're if you're one of the 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 people at 345 park avenue he's a guy that you want on the committee to advise roger goodell or whomever is commissioner at that point as some of these negotiations go on if you're the bears you're like well we're getting ready to build this thing well he was the guy that was in charge of running the build of U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis if you're trying to hire someone 
who has experience working this type of land deal through, his resume fits. I also want everybody to understand who we're going to have on tomorrow and how he becomes even a more timely and powerful guest on the show. And Phil Rogers from NBC5. Yes. We're Our gonna... beloved colleague, Phil Rogers. Do not talk to him about Oklahoma State the other day. Oh, Don't I, do that. We can ask him if he's a man, if he's 40. Um, yeah, we're going to do this thing tomorrow. Phil Rogers for NBC5 did a, a walkthrough of the state of SoFi Stadium. He got like inside that stadium and talked to the people that built it about what's possible for the Bears and what they built. He's going to be on the show tomorrow, and he's actually going to take calls from Bears fans about this process. Because he wants to know what people think. He wants to know what people think about public money going into a stadium project. Don't like it. He wants to know what people think about even his reports on the correspondence that was happening between the city and Ted Phillips, which we understand got incredibly terse. If you missed that story, it aired last week. Not surprised. On NBC5, might be worth a watch. Considering who was doing the negotiating for the city. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me in my my knowledge of bureaucracy and public policy, but that is beside the point. When it comes to this, though, this is a big step forward, and I think it's going to be really good to have Phil on to talk about his background, what he learned, and... SoFi Stadium is the biggest, baddest one in the league right now, so that's a good place to start. Layla, I'm going to do the thing that Dan does. I am going to unlock the phones. Oh. The phones are now open for you, the White Sox fan. We would be really interested to know what you think of the White Sox offseason. We're going to give this two segments. You have 40 minutes. We're going to give you the opportunity. You want to text us or you want to call us. 312 644 Six seven six seven. What's that number again, Lawrence? Three one two six four four six seven six seven. How have you thought the off season for the White Sox has gone? We're here for you. Next on the score. Have we gotten the quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there. 